Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 3. My name is Jeff Burkhart, Barfly columnist for the Marin IJ and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars, The Spirit of the Adventures of a Real Bartender, and its sequel, 20 Years Behind Bars, Parole Denied. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, restaurant consultant and former community director of the online review site Yelp. Welcome, Kevin. Have a drink on me. Welcome to the Barfly Podcast. We're happy today to have Vicki Larson who is an award-winning journalist, a writer, a columnist, and a lifestyles editor at the Marin IJ. She is also the co-author of the book, The New I Do, Reshaping Marriage for Skeptics, Realists, and Rebels, and the sole author of a new book on aging as a woman called Acting Our Age, How Women Are Changing the Narrative of Aging. So welcome, Vicki. Hey, thanks, Jeff. So delighted to be here. So just to get started, is the new book out yet? Oh my God, no. Um, I'm frantically working on it. I have a deadline of June 1st and you know deadlines for books are uh, challenging. So I'm in the panic mode right now. (laughs) Well, it could be worse. It could come out and then COVID could hit just like what happened with my last Uh, book. That's true. Yeah. I don't really know exactly when the book is scheduled to come out. Hopefully for Christmas though. Yeah. I hope so. But you know, who knows? been a a challenge, I'm sure, for you in particular, being a lifestyles editor, because of course, COVID directly impacted everyone's lifestyle. It really did. And, you know, a a huge part of my section, really Thursday and Friday, are all dedicated to music and theater and movies and all the fun stuff that we used to be able to do in the before times. And then suddenly I was like, Oh, what's going to go in there? (laughs) It was this major reality, like, have I just like lost my job? (laughs) You know, like everybody else in whatever business they were, we pivoted. And so instead of writing about the gigs that a musician was going to do, we spoke to the musicians and said, how are you faring? What are you going to do? We spoke to the venues. So at, at, at one point, you know, it feel like there was going to be nothing that we could focus on. And then and then it just seemed like, well, there was everything we could focus on. Every aspect of life had been radically changed. And so then we wanted to highlight how people were handling that, what they were doing. That became the new, you know, I hate the term, but that became the new normal. Now, speaking of the new normal, you wrote this great piece uh, not too long ago about returning to quote unquote normal (laughs) and whether folks are even ready to go back to it. Brought up some good points. I'm just curious, what do you think will be the new normal in Marin, for example? And do you think people are ready for it? Well, uh, thank you for bringing up that column. Yeah, in that column, I was fearful that we would go back to some of the normal, which was not really great. Obviously, you know, what we've seen with uh, the Black Lives Matter protests and the toppling of monuments to bad people throughout history. I mean, normal excused a lot of crappy behavior. I would hope that if we're moving forward, that we do things differently and better and more inclusively. I mean, I really think we've had some time to reflect on what's been happening, what we've been ignoring, and what do we want to move forward to. So I'm hopeful that we become better. Knowing people, 
this is going to sound so bad. I don't have a lot of faith <laughs> that that all of us will do things better. You know, if you look at the last pandemic, 1918, 1919, it was followed by the Roaring Twenties because people were so eager to get out and party, party, party. And then, of course, that led to the stock market crash. And so it was it was fun for a while and then bad things I hope that Marin, which is the whitest county and the county that is experiencing the greatest income inequality in the Bay Area, I believe, I I hope that we do something about that. That really needs to happen. Yeah, the homeless thing is, is, you know, Marin's been pretty well insulated from that for a while. Yes. But it's been kind of, like you said, it's kind of simmering under the under the lid, and now the lid's kind of off. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, that's one of those things where do we just ignore that and hope it goes away, or do we actually try and do something about it in this new normal? Right. And, and, and that's going to take a lot of creativity from everybody, not just the government. I mean, it really, we're going to have to address the nimbyism that happens here it's okay if it happens somewhere, just not it's here. Just in our backyard. And right. It's not yeah. right. And, and that right. Marin is, we're kind of known for that. And I, I, and we're known for that because I, I think, because it, it happens here. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> BART is the great example, right? You know, that now we're not building BART here because we don't want to be connected to the rest of the Bay Area. And uh, now we really wish that had happened. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but uh, you don't have to keep making the same mistakes. That's that's kind of a, a big mistake. That's true. And, I, you know, I was very worried about what's going to happen to our downtowns. But then again, they have been changing to reflect who we weren't. I mean, a lot of very high-end stores that, well, I don't know, Marin can generally afford that. But I'd like to see our downtowns transform into more community gathering kind of spaces that really forge neighbors to know neighbors and to get more of a sense of community. I've been here for 34 years and uh, a lot of things have changed. But it felt more like a small town community, you know, the various towns. I live in Mill Valley, but it had that. And I, I would love to, I would love to see that happen again. COVID has kind of sparked some of that because you see these, the farmer's markets, the shutting down the streets uh, so that the, the restaurants can, uh, you know, do more of like almost like a flea market kind of thing yes. on the street corners. And that's all great because it really gives it a sense of community that was is somewhat absent before. I, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, downtown San Rafael is a perfect example of this kind of roller coaster ride of uh, being barren, being busy, being barren again, being busy again. It just wow. kind of, it never seems to really get its footing underneath it. No, but I, I love that they've been doing, you know, dining under the lights in San Rafael. And I'd really like to see more of that kind of stuff, you yeah. know, and find workarounds for traffic and actually get people out of their cars. I mean, I know that things are getting back to a something because the roads are crazy packed and everyone's speeding um, as if like, what? What, <laughs> what are you rushing off to? And uh, dangerously so obliviously so and that's the part of normal I don't want to go back to I'd like to see more people get into walking and 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 to cycling and and finding ways to 
encourage that and promote mm-hmm. that and support that. Because really, when you think about it, we do have a chance now to rethink things and yeah. to move toward something that is better and makes us happier people. I don't think speeding on Highway 101 or getting stuck in traffic makes us happy, but walking around and seeing our neighbors and biking around with our families, which we saw during the pandemic, which was so lovely, it actually did make us happy. You bring up a good point because um, especially since in this past year, a lot of folks had to work remotely. So that did clear up the roads. They weren't commuting an hour to Silicon Valley or wherever. Maybe they had more time to spend with their family and do the things that you're talking about. Go on like nice hike or bike around. I'm, I'm hoping that that sticks. I think that is a positive thing or people, you know, cooking more together and being more together. I I think to your point about like the roaring twenties and like people are so excited just to get out of their house and get somewhere quickly. Right. (laughs) And get somewhere quickly. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring up the outside because um, I'm a big hiker. I, I go hiking a lot with my friends on the weekends and we've been doing it masked and distance, you know, throughout the pandemic. Now, like everybody is out on the trails and they are ruining it. They're just ruining it for everyone. What, 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 what <laughs> I'm joking, but <laughs> well, I'm sort of, sort of, sort of, kind of joking. You, you don't want to go out hiking now on the weekends because just everyone's out and discovered it, which is lovely on one side of it, but also they're trashing stuff too. So that's a little bit disturbing. That gets back to that, uh, whether human beings are innately good or, or something else. Right. And, and I think the whole pandemic thing is, has been, I, I'm a bit of a cynic, uh, as, as evidenced by my writing, I think, but, uh, but, the, <laughs> but the point is, is that, you know, some people have left to their own devices, just, I mean, they just don't do the right thing. And that's an unfortunate thing. And that's been a big eye opener for me during this pandemic. I feel like that manners have been embraced during like, uh, it, it just has become normalized. And so people become immune, numb to it. So they just accept it when, you know, it's just bad behavior. It is bad behavior. And, you know, I'm of the belief we're, we're neither good nor bad. I think we have both within us. And sometimes a certain attribute is highlighted more than another. We're in a strange period of time where there are a lot of people living in fear and some people rightfully so in fear because they're going to be evicted or they've lost their job or that is very fearful but those are not the ones who are acting poorly usually those people don't have a voice yeah that's true you know that's one of the things about media is whose voices are given you know precedence and and, uh, i have made it a goal in my section to give voice to people who have been marginalized because I would like to represent all various aspects in my in my section and then and, and that's hard I have to I have to search for that I have to find that and that is that is an ongoing goal of mine to be much more inclusive not only in the voices but also in the visual representations that I have in the in the section. I look for diversity and I look for more than just the classic white heterosexual person. Right. So can you give us a, an example of something recently that was a specific decision on that front? No. 
That's <laughs> there we go. You said no trick questions. <laughs> I don't even know what day it is that I'm working on. <laughs> oh, I can't give you exactly what day, but I, I do look for photos that that are not so narrow-minded. And, and that's hard to find, actually, and that, of course, is part of the bigger problem because we highlight just these voices and don't highlight other voices. And media also is complicating things because the old-style journalism that, of course, a newspaper subscribes to is different than a lot of this new influencer movement and some of these magazines that you see and, and that sort of thing, where it's a different they're coming at it from a different angle and not necessarily a better angle. It's more of an advertising driven angle. And of course, advertising is something to do with all media, but newspapers are different. I mean, I know when I do interviews, I have to explain to people, no, nah, I, you know, I'm a journalist. We can't do that. Look, newspapers are advertising based. That is how we make our money or more accurately don't make our money lately. <laughs> <laughs> but the ad world and the editorial world, they do not ever combine. Like uh, uh, people can't say you have to get this in. It doesn't work that way. I mean, so uh, how has the internet and social media really changed perhaps like the content in your section? I mean, I, I feel like, but I feel like people have a much shorter attention span these days. I'm wondering if you had to change your content or content style because of that. Well, I'm going to tell you a little joke. It's one of my favorite, you're such an idiot, Vicky stories. <laughs> uh, I was working at the Press Democrat about 20 years ago, and the editor called all the copy editors and the reporters in and said, okay, we're going to teach you how to use the internet. And I said, I'm not going to need to know how to use the internet. <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> uh, I was wrong. The internet has changed everything yeah. for newspapers and for all of us. We get music for free. We want things for free. I, everything is for free. I would like to actually eat. So uh, yeah. someone's going to have to pay for um, the newspaper to uh, continue. Uh, the things that newspapers were traditionally included like classifieds that's all gone the internet can respond immediately right you know and newspapers can't i mean we do breaking news um when there's something happening and we'll get up what we can we can't always act back quickly but we offer the perspective and the deeper depth of, right. of that's what are what's important to do but I mean, in some ways, it's been kind of cool because when the reporters, let's say, are covering a city council meeting or a water district meeting, they're tweeting and they're live blogging. And so you can get it in real time, which yeah. is kind of cool. I get a lot of stories from social media. I'm on Nextdoor, which is <laughs> yeah. the, <laughs> the joys of Nextdoor. <laughs> <laughs> the outrage. It's like yes, the, the outrage. The outrage, the drama. <laughs> um, but I learn a lot. Sure. It's kind of it's like walking around my town and saying, oh, wow, I didn't know that was happening. And also Facebook and on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So it's a love-hate thing, but it, it offers a lot of possibilities, but it also creates incredible challenges. And again, one of the challenges is people don't like to pay to read their newspaper online. 
Newspapers are trying to figure out the, the proper model for all of that. How many stories can you read for free before we ask you to please pay and so on and so forth. So it's a challenge. I was reading that last year, the New York Times chief executive officer said that he thinks there'll be a physical paper maybe for 10 more years, maybe 15, but no way after 20 years. So it'll all be, you know, online. It'll all be digital. And so we're going to have to figure all of that stuff out. So other things are changing. Like the IJ is is no longer has a building, right? We don't have an office. Yeah. And we hadn't been in the office for a year. And so it totally made sense. Mm-hmm. But when I went in there to pick up my stuff, I really felt a grieving because the newsroom is is just a wonderful place to be. It's, you know, there's a lot of dark humor with journalists and, um, and also we're social beings and, you know, we learn from each other and I can just walk over and go, Hey, so you were at that meeting last night. What happened? What would tell me what, and now we've lost all that. Allegedly we're going to get a place back at some point somewhere, but I don't ever see it being what it was. It might be just like a big meeting room because the ad people really like to get together and do their rah-rah, get everyone all excited, you know. But the newsroom doesn't necessarily really need that. There's a lot of energy in a newsroom. You know, a lot of people don't realize a lot of stuff is happening and, and, you know, people are talking and and it's a different environment. It's actually, you know, I I will, you know, I used to stop by every once in a while. It was just fun. It was really a a, a neat place to be. So that's a shame. It was. And, you know, we have the scanner on and the scanner, of course, is, you know, the police and fire and EMTs and everything. You hear a lot of tragedy happening every day, which, of course makes, I think, journalists, one, have the dark humor and also an appreciation for the fact that, okay, today's a good day because we're alive. But every day, there's people's lives are being radically changed for forever. They've lost someone or whatever. And just change your perspective uh, about life in general. Um, but, but yeah, there's a lot of energy in the newsroom. Well, that's why I really like the, appreciate the lifestyle section, because for all the darkness in the world, there are a few pages there that you can read that shed some light on the positive things. We are the fun section. You are the fun <laughs> section. You are the sunshine section. Whether it's raining or snowing, you guys are always sunny. So, Unless yeah. Vicky decides to write a column, in which case she's a big downer. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask so-and-so from San Rafael, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. I mean, lifestyles, again, it's, it, you know, that it's, it's hard during a pandemic to put the smiley face on everything. And sometimes the smiley face isn't really the accurate face, but it's something that people want to read and they want to, they don't want to be depressed every day. What we all are, I mean... As much as this pandemic has created individual loss and grieving, it's a collective loss and grieving too. And so when we can address that and also see all these bright spots, all the people who were making masks and the kids doing this and that, this theater project created this amazing thing and it's online. And you realize people can be very creative when they have to, and they will still find ways to connect to others and find joy and spread joy. And so that's been kind of the beautiful thing about it. I mean, I really did panic like, oh, is it just going to be 
horrible stuff in the paper every day, but no, I mean, there still is a lot of beauty that's being creative. It's a privilege to be able to, to find that and share that with, with readers. So don't worry about tomorrow. Take it for today. Please join us next time when we welcome Sean Saylor of Saylor's Cabo Cantina in Sausalito to discuss our newly revised pet peeves in the service business post-COVID. My name is Jeff Burkhardt. Thanks for listening.